0: Welcome to Lockbox, my name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here with Martin Signs. Martin, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on Jeffrey. Absolutely, so first wanting to tell our listeners who you are and where you're from.
1: Yeah, sure, so um, my name is Martin Sines, and myself uh, and my wife and four beautiful children reside in sunny Sarasota, Florida. Awesome, and we were talking a little bit before the
0: show that's kind of near Tampa and you're super close to the beach. Yeah. Or is it on the other side of from Tampa?
1: We're south of Tampa.
0: Got it. Got it. So it's beautiful there. You know, COVID is no longer, it's wide open, right? <laughs> uh, life is good. And, uh, you know, it's pretty hot there this time of year. It's pretty, pretty humid, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we ever closed in Florida, to be honest with you. I mean, there were some, you know, adjustments made with masks here and there, but it's been pretty much open. That's what I like to hear. I love that it was not the same in California,
0: but you know the uh, we definitely tried to uh, stick to our guns as much as possible and you know not wear masks as much as we could. So I'm curious, you know, what got you into the kind of like mortgage secondary market because you know your your company Bequest Funds is, is pretty interesting position on the secondary mortgage market, and uh, you know we'll we'll get into that. But I'm curious, what got you into just The real estate industry in general and the mortgage industry?
1: Yeah. So uh, I think it all started when I was fired from my corporate job after getting an MBA. And, you know, it just, what my wife and I realized is is corporate America wasn't for us. It was just, I kind of ran at a different speed. And so, you know, we just went on a journey to, Kind of find, identify ourselves, reposition ourselves, and um, we read uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad. We went attended a bunch of real estate seminars, and what we kind of found at the end of the day is that I needed to focus on establishing a business to generate cash flow, and then with the cash flow, then roll it into real estate as a buy and hold investor. So uh, my wife and I started a government contracting company, whereby. We sold museum exhibit products to the federal government. So what that means is things you'd see in a museum, my wife and I, we would design, fabricate, and install those artwork um, projects and exhibits at military installations and in federal buildings across the United States. Wow. So that's really how we started out as um, with our journey. With the intention of getting into real estate investment on the buy and hold side. Yeah. Yeah. And after kind of uh, a grueling three year period of of getting set up and with the company, I mean, we were we went through every trial and tribulation. You can think of <clears throat> making payroll and the day of and paying credit cards with other credit cards and uh just kind of feeling our way through something you know for one we actually didn't have any expertise in museum museum exhibit fabrication so we had limited expertise in the product side and then we had no expertise in selling to the federal government so it was like a it was like a double whammy but after three years of perseverance we we broke through and and bought a commercial building and and started buying, buy and hold properties. And that, that was in the late 2000s at that point.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. And then, you know, that's over 15 years ago now. So today you are the managing partner of Bequest Funds and, you know, why don't you tell us the journey of kind of like how that came to be and then obviously what Bequest Funds does.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what my wife and I realized, especially when we started building a family is um, we both couldn't work hundred hour work weeks. We, it was very taxing and demanding work. And uh, although it was profitable and, you know, positive things were occurring from asset accumulation, we wanted something more, we wanted something more passive. In, in terms of income. And we wanted something where there was more freedom of time. So we sold the company in 2013. And from there, um, since I already had a real estate buy and hold background, which we still own those properties today, you know, I decided to go into the mortgage side of the business and really learn mortgage note investing. So I went on a journey, uh, an educational journey that way um, to learn that side of the business.
0: Interesting. And for those that don't understand, you know, the basics of mortgage note investing, Mm -hmm. why don't you give us like the 30 second elevator pitch?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, the type of mortgage note investing that our company does is if you take a potential homeowner, they go into a bank or visit with a mortgage lender and they, they apply for a mortgage loan to buy a house. Well, Over a course of time, that originator, that bank, less slash lender will have a portion of their loan portfolio go into defaulted state by which the homeowners, you know, lose their job or some health occurrence happens. And so what that mortgage originator will do is bundle those defaulted mortgages into a tranche and sell it into the secondary mortgage market space at let's say 20, 30 cents on the dollar. And from that point, the hedge fund will work with the homeowner, create loan modifications and help them reinstate to get back on their feet to create a 20, 30 year stream of income. And once that occurs and those mortgages become reseasoned, then they're sold into a company like Bequest Funds at a 12 to 14% yield, whereby we're able to make our 9 or 8% annual PREF payment paid monthly to our investors. Got it, got it. And so your investors give
0: you the capital to be able to then purchase these loans. You know, your margin is that five, 6% because investors like, no one knows how to do this, right? So as you mentioned, the secondary mortgage market is a pretty tight knit community. And so it, it seems like a great way for investors who might have some capital cash laying around, they're playing the stocks, they have some properties, but they're like, you know, what else could I do? How could I create more passive? It does seem like a really good opportunity for them to let you guys manage that? You know, purchase some some secondary mortgages in the secondary mortgage market, and you know that seems like a win win.
1: Yeah, I think of it as a little bit more dire in today's market, where we have inflation that's just beginning. And um, what's interesting is a lot of people do turn to stocks, bonds, precious metals, cryptocurrency. And a lot of those vehicles are fine, especially as an appreciation play. But what's really needed in today's market, what's really needed with the American families is more monthly income. And so that's really at the heart of BeQuest Funds. And I actually wrote a book last year called Cash Flow Dojo Build Your Home on Multiple Streams of Income. It was my fifth book that I had written. And um, it was really just kind of outlined steps, how to guide to help individuals build additional streams of income in their lives. And having done that over the course of, of years for myself, it's really become a passion to be able to help others learn how to do the same thing or simply inv- make one simple investment in BeQuest and receive passive income for the rest of their lives as it is an evergreen fund. Very interesting.
0: So let's apply this to a real life example. If I were to give you a quarter million dollars, mm-hmm. I would expect as an investor to receive an eight to nine percent yield on that quarter million in perpetuity.
1: Yeah. So there's an eight percent annual pref option with a one year commitment and a nine percent annual pref option with a four year commitment. So if you went with the with the nine percent option, then you would start earning. 9% on the 250,000 paid to you monthly and you know so you would take you know let's take $100,000 9% $9,000 over the course of the year and you divide it by 12 and those would be your, that would be your monthly income or you let it compound it like a 9.4% very interesting very interesting And something
0: that, you know, as I grow my portfolio, I'm definitely going to keep in my pocket. This is why I love doing this podcast because I find out about all these cool investment opportunities, these, you know, CEOs of companies that are doing things that are very unique. And so, you know, this seems like something that is a great way to create passive, which passive income as a term and as a goal Mm -hmm. has become so much more at the forefront of people's awareness ever since books like Rich dad, poor dad. Mm -hmm. You know, it really did bring to the forefront the idea of accumulating income producing assets and having those income producing assets exceed the expenses of your ideal life. Mm -hmm. And now you're financially free. And so this, you know, fits right into the plan of a lot of investors who want more passive. And you know, really, Mm -hmm. really grateful to have you on the show
1: and you know, sharing this with everyone. So yeah, active income, you know, one should never lose the active income portion, but you should be working at passive income to overtake active income at some point. So you're creating your own um, retirement model, but all passive income, as you know, Jeffrey, isn't the same. So, you know, I know folks can get more than 9% and that's great. We're not, you know, a fit for everyone. What's interesting is that, um, you know, there are higher yielding vehicles but everything comes with more risk. You know, one should always look at the risk factor behind the return to say, you know, is is it worth the risk? Because there's a lot of risk taking that's going on where people are just evaluating the return more than the risk behind it.
0: Right, and that's a great point. So what is the risk of investing in the secondary mortgage market?
1: Yeah, so um, the secret sauce for BeQuest is investment to value. And so that protects... Um, that investor capital. And how that works is um, we maintain a 65% and below investment to value ratio. So what that means is if you have a $100,000 home, we're in that investment for no more than 65000 And now the principal balance may be eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000. But if you recall, we're purchasing these loans in not at par, but at a discount. And so the coupon rate may be 6% on the loan modification, but we're purchasing it in at a 12 to 14% yield. So it allows us to maintain a lower investment of value, which helps protect capital and serves to be more conservative than banks that operate at an 80% loan to value ratio.
0: Got it. And you're able to do this because the secondary mortgage market, they're selling off those, those mortgages 20, 30 cents on, on the dollar. Right. Yeah.
1: So take a hedge fund, you know, they're buying it from the bank direct 20, 30 cents on the dollar. They get it to modify. They collect 12 months of payments to season it. So they're they're receiving some cash flow against their investment. And then they sell it to Bequest at 70, 80 cents on the dollar. They've just two X or three X their money. In a year or year and a half, and they're happy, and and they're Mm -hmm. doing this obviously into the millions. So so everything adds up. It's not a one-off. And so um, you know, hedge funds happy, the borrowers happy if they if they received a payment that they can afford, and then Bequest is happy because we're able to buy in a a long-term cash flow stream that's going to pay out our investors over the course of time. Right. That's
0: awesome. I heard a little bit about note investing early in my real mm-hmm. estate career and didn't look too much into it. I just heard the idea of, you know, picking up different notes at, you know, 20, 30 cents on the dollar in certain instances. And, you know, it seemed like a fantastic idea that made sense. But, you know, one of my buddies kind of tried to get into that. I tried to get into like motivated seller properties and, you know, it, came down to it, that those are actually like the most expensive leads to generate, those are the toughest deals Mm -hmm. to find. So with a fund like yours, it seems like you have a track record with these hedge funds to where now you're kind of on their
1: buyer list and they're bringing you the deals, right? Yeah, absolutely. I wrote a best selling book in the note space called Note Investing Made Easier. And that really kind of launched a lot of what I do in terms of, uh, I don't know, popularity, if you will. But I've been purchasing from hedge funds for the past eight years. My partner, Sean, and I actually operate a hedge fund as well that buys non performing notes. So my roots are actually in the non performing note space getting the notes from a non-performing state into a performing state and so um, we understand that business uh, inside out and um, but you know in terms of the complexity within the space it's harder and harder for individuals to kind of come in like mom and pops because of the level of compliance all the regulations have increased tenfold and uh, various licensing and you know bonds and all these other requirements are in place now state by state so it really helps working with an investor that's kind of already you know has a compliance team has an internal asset management team so that way you know we we're able we're equipped to operate in today's space versus trying to go out and do it yourself which you know you're always encouraged to do it if you're if you're entrepreneurial like that right absolutely and in that
0: case it would be more active income, you know, because you're (laughs) out there 80, 100 hours a week learning this stuff and cutting your teeth and taking risks and doing it. So, you know, that gives you the option of taking maybe a little bit more of the pie, but then also accepting more risk and having it in the active side of your balance sheet. And for someone like me who, you know, I have a full-time gig, you know, I have my Mm -hmm. other businesses and things I'm focusing on, I would so much rather let you manage the money, have it be in the passive side that I'm building up. And, you know, that's amazing that you're also teaching others, right? You believe in the abundance and you're putting information out there to, you know, gain yourself clients and teach others because, you know, the market is so big. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that you realize this, the market's so big that, you know, there's plenty for everybody to, to be able to, you know, come in and really help others. And and it seems like these secondary mortgages are also helping the homeowners as well, because it's giving them a more advantageous Mm -hmm. way to then
1: pay their debt. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole motto on the distress side of the business, which is separate from Bequest. And that is helping homeowners stay in their homes with payments they can afford while making a profit for ourselves. And the whole key is if you're not giving a homeowner a payment they can afford, they're not going to pay you right over the course of time. They're going to go into default again. So it actually is in your best interest as well as the homeowner's best interest to really nail down what they can afford and to uh, create a plan accordingly. Yep,
0: absolutely. So the real estate market right now on the agent side is crazy. You know, there's no inventory and prices are mm-hmm. super high. And... Someone like you probably has your finger on the pulse to the amount of foreclosures that are to come. I'm very curious, you know, what your short-term projections are with the, you know, the Fed stimulus kind of coming to an end, a lot of the tenant protection laws that have been in place with reduced rent or Mm non-payment coming to an end you know, what's going to be happening over the next six months, 12 months, or, you know, if, if it's a longer time period than that, fine. But I'm really curious about like the next two to three years. And mm-hmm. is there going to be a wave of foreclosures? Do people have too much equity in their homes to, to be going into that? Like what's the market situation on the distress side right now?
1: Yeah. So um, what's interesting is all throughout COVID, we had, our team had anticipated um, dropping down. We look at collectability. Percentages. So that's out of 10 homeowners making their payments, you know, how many of the 10 are making it on time? So we had anticipated a drop down to 75% collectability and the industry standards about 90%. So we looked at getting hammered last year. And what we found is we were performing between 92 and 93% collectability. And this year we're operating at 96% collectability. And this is just my opinion. But what I believe is going to happen is with the CARES Act, a lot of these mortgages that are in forbearance will be packed in on the back of the loan. And so people will get a reset button. And the ones that are not under government sponsored programs like Fannie Freddie that don't fall under the CARES Act. There's going to be some increased foreclosure that way. What I really believe in my heart of hearts is there is a a monthly income problem. There's just an income problem with middle America from lower middle class to upper middle class. And so with inflation occurring, I believe there'll be a wave of foreclosures in the next year to two years. But it's not so much due to COVID, it's due to there being uh, hyperinflation. And just not enough people having, not making, bringing in enough money monthly. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. And another thing, and I was just thinking about this the other day. I mean, hyperinflation is, uh, it's almost like if you're month to month, then this is going to seem like hyperinflation. But if you're kind of have a little cushion, then it might seem like inflation. So it just kind of depends on where where you sit economically. But everyone's going to feel this heavily. And and I think we'll also see a spike in bankruptcies, especially on the chapter 11 business filings. I think Mm -hmm. we'll see that. And then with that, there'll come layoffs and, and some other things. To what what extent this will all occur. I'm not sure, but I'm definitely preparing for a serious correction, but it's not going to look like 08 because the loan programs in 08 that spurred that are not, have not been out with banks haven't been lending that way since 08. So all the Ninja loans and everything, they stopped doing that at, you know, post 08. So it'll right. look different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree that it won't be 08. And, you know, a lot of Consumers look at every ten years. There's a correction. We're overdue. Oh wait, you know it's it's going to be even worse. <laughs> but in reality, that was a mortgage problem that was happening in the types of loans that they were giving. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, ninja, no income, no job. Right? The yeah. since then, the mortgages that have been dealt out over the last thirteen years have been cleaned up. I mean, it's almost impossible to get approved as a self-employed individual nowadays. And, you know, because uh, you have to be a W-2 employee of your own company and all this stuff. Like, it. you know, the restrictions nowadays are much more complex. And, you know, all of my real estate listeners understand that. And mm-hmm. I think the thought was with people not paying rent through COVID, then there might be this wave of foreclosures from property owners and landlords. The one thing that you said that was, that was interesting, which I also do agree with, is that the chapter eleven for businesses. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to have a ripple effect. I mean, think about all the SBA loans that went out that were funding businesses that were non profitable over the last 18 months. And those business owners, whether small business owners or, or you know, larger, there's probably four or five million businesses that are on the brink of bankruptcy and and that have minimal income. And so, you know, that then ripples into not only like their employees' mm-hmm. lives, but their personal life of Hey, all of a sudden, maybe they can't pay their mortgage. So I think there is something coming. It's in a different way, but very interesting as well that you talked about the income. Middle America, how they have an income problem. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, bequest funds is definitely a potential solution for that. Investing and increasing that passive income to supplement your active income.
1: Yeah. think stress also too. I just would say, um, you know, a lot like everyone has one of these, right? The phones, you have a computer and um, I deal with investors, you know, throughout the day, each day. And I always ask them, I say, you know, how much of the day do you spend looking at your investments to see what they're doing, whether they're in stock or crypto or what have you. And oftentimes I hear that they're looking multiple times throughout the day. And what I say is that, you know, what I recommend, if you will, and I'm not a doctor to prescribe something, but, you know, people need more stress-free investing in their lives. And so whether it's BeQuest or somewhere else, you know, you need somewhere where you can just set it and forget it in a true fashion where you just get the ACH every month. And if you don't have that, if, if all you're investing is like frantically looking at your phone with highs, lows, highs, lows, I mean, it, it, that's no way to live. So that's my only recommendation for folks, you know, going out there. Obviously, you do what you got to do. But um, at some point, you know, people need to work themselves into vehicles that are truly passive stress wise.
0: It's a great point. And obviously, someone doing this eight years, you know, you you definitely have the voice of an expert in this space, you come off like someone who deeply understands both sides of the investing world the day trader who's on his phone all day and trying to manage his company but he's checking his his Schwab or Robinhood account all the time <laughs> i know so many of those those guys even you know a lot of my friends everyone's investing nowadays right yeah. I mean, ever since there was that drop with covid and then people made some money because it corrected now everyone's addicted to investing there's more money in the market than ever But a lot of them have also been burned in the last 12, 18 months. And think about the time. I always think about the value of my time, you know, my hourly rate, how much this is consuming my focus and taking away from other projects. And what you mentioned just now of having a set it and forget it, truly passive type of income is so important. So I'm super interested and I know my listeners will be as well. You know, I, if, Listeners want to contact you about this, you know, Mm -hmm. how should they do that?
1: Yeah, they can send an email to martin at bqfunds.com and myself or one of the investor relations. We have two investor relations um, individuals here. We'll get back to you. We have have a free ebook. We have, uh, we're always doing free uh, webinars. You know, I'm really big into education, so I'm sure there's something that may be of help to your audience. Awesome and lastly is there a question
0: that i should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier
1: no no i just um just knowing that your audience is made up of a lot of individuals in the real estate space you know my thought is um and i say this with humility you know having been on both sides of the fence the pre-reo the banking side as well as the um, real estate side which is heavy transaction Transactional based, where you know anything from courthouse steps, you know, fishing or for for deals at courthouse steps to working through the MLS, there's a whole world of opportunity on the banking side. That whereby those properties never see the light of day, you know, REO at the REO level or the MLS level. So, um, you know, it's worth it. If anyone's feeling entrepreneurial, um, you know, I always encourage people to check it out. Note Investing has been a great business for myself, but um, like you said, it's a business. So if you just want passive, true passive income, you know, come see Bequest Funds in that regard. Yep. Great point.
0: Martin signs everyone. Request Funds offering passive income opportunity, a true passive income opportunity, you know, 8-9% with, you know, minimal risk, that is pretty solid investment in my book. So, really appreciate you coming on, sharing with us all of your insights and uh, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are going to be contacting you. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for listening.
0: If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.